0: But the next time we get together, we will be covering a large portion about the Lord's return, and so i I decided that this would be a good dividing line as we look at this story of the ten lepers. And you know, every once in a while we we look at the Bible and we see these big stories, and there seems to be interruptions. Um, to the big stories when um, for instance when the woman was healed from, healed from her issue of blood Jesus was actually on his way I believe to raise a child from the dead and so the inference can be made from the the uh, personal standpoint or the human standpoint that it was an interruption to his plans but In a very real sense, Jesus was never interrupted in his ministry. He always had a plan. And I love how deliberate he was. And you can tell, because like for instance in John chapter 4, it said he was traveling and he must needs go through Samaria. And you're looking at that, and you, if you read the historical context, you find that most Jews avoided Samaria like the plague. Um, but Jesus did not. And as a matter of fact, when he told his parable that we've already studied about being a neighbor, who did he use as an example? He was a Samaritan. So even as he is ministering to the children of Israel, and we'll see in one of our cross-references today that he mentions even to the Phoenician woman that this is my primary goal, to save the lost sheep of Israel, he is still considering the Gentile. And I'm so grateful for that because as a Gentile myself, um, I had no... I had no call, I had no right to claim inheritance with God's chosen people. But He chose me as His follower. And I am so thankful for that. That's one of the reasons why um, the motto of my ministry is speaking for Him who spoke for me. Because just as Paul said, I want to lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ. And so, we're going to see a little bit of that today, and I really appreciated the, the song selection. We did not confer ahead of time, but I thought a lot of the songs are very applicable to what we're going to talk about today. Because we talked about how he lifted me. There's no power, uh, as our brother Wayne was saying, there's no power, as the world would say, to lift ourselves up by the bootstraps. That's a foreign concept. It's nowhere in the Bible. We can't do it. But God, in his infinite wisdom and love, can lift us up, and I'm so thankful for that. So I am going to go ahead, and I think um, I will go ahead and I will read our whole passage, and then we will get into our points. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there he met him ten men, which were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, shew yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and, with a loud voice, glorified God. And he fell down on his uh, he fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, "Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give. There are not found that return to give go- glory to God, save this stranger." And he said, Arise and go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And um, I think about this passage, and we'll see um, some very specific things. First of all, looking at the first two verses here. Um, My first point, if you're taking notes, the, the title of my message today is Ten Lepers, and a lesson on thankfulness. So if you're taking notes, that would be a good title to put down there. And my first point is that Jesus deliberately seeks out those in need. Remember, I said in the introduction, I appreciated the the deliberateness with which Jesus did things. And it said, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now again, he's going into Samaria. He could have very easily went around it. He could have very easily passed by these lepers on the other side, as the priest and the Levite did for the wounded man in the story of the Good Samaritan. But I believe he was going there to seek those ten lepers. Because as I said, he didn't do anything without deliberation. Remember when he heard about Lazarus being sick and he waited another three days and he said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. Even though Lazarus died, that was still his declaration that This is not unto death, it's for the glory of God. Why did he say that? because he knew what the end result was going to be. He knew that he was going to have the victory. And then we also see that there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And it's as he enters the village that he sees these lepers. Why is that? Because... Lepers were cast outside of their village because they were unclean. For a little bit about that, let's look at Leviticus chapter thirteen, verses forty-five and forty-six. If somebody gets that, they can go ahead and read that to us. Leviticus thirteen, forty-five,
1: and forty-six. And the leper includes the plague, is, his shall to be met. And Head there and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone, without the camp. Shall his sanitation be?
0: So you see, God setting up in the law of Moses, this is what you should do for a leper. They should be cast outside the camp. They need to cover their upper lip. And they need to call out unclean, so that if anybody comes near them, they know that they have leprosy. Of course, we know a lot more about leprosy today than we used to, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is every form of leprosy, but we find that for the most part, medical advances have told us that leprosy is not extremely contagious. And that the greatest danger to someone who has leprosy is the fact that they can't feel their extremities, and so they hurt themselves as they walk through um, life. And if you ever want to read a fascinating book, I would recommend The Gift of Pain by Dr. Philip Brand, or Dr. Paul Brand, I think it is. Dr. Paul Brand's book, The Gift of Pain. I had to read it for college. And it's just such a fascinating book on a variety of levels. Number one the number of things that God had him do before he found his, his um, long-term mission. Because he kept doing all these things that were seemingly unrelated, and then eventually they all kind of coalesced in his mission work with the leper colonies. And the thing that he realized was that if he could get them to wear shoes and get them to be aware of their surroundings and even do things like get cats into the huts so that they could eat the rats, so that the rats would not eat the leper's flesh, then these lepers could thrive despite the fact that they didn't have the gift of pain. I was talking to a friend this past week who takes care of someone who is paralyzed, and how he has to deal with pressure sores, and how that can be a, a trial specifically because he cannot tell when he first gets one because he can't feel pain. So as uncomfortable as I am to feel pain this morning, I'm grateful that I feel pain because the fact that I feel pain means that I can address it in the proper manner. And so I've learned through my struggles and through my physical pain that both my disability and external events have caused that pain is indeed a gift. And... um I just, again, want you to notice that there's a very deliberate thing here. These lepers are far off, and they're outside the camp. They can't be in the camp because they have this leprosy. And that's really the way you and I are. Because it says in Ephesians that we were afar off. But now we're brought nigh. Why? By the blood of Jesus Christ. By the blood of His cross, we are brought nigh. We've been grafted in, it says in relations. We have just as much claim to the promises of God as the Jewish people. Now I believe that God's going to restore Israel and they will have blessings that, that we will not, as Gentiles, but for the most part, as far as our inheritance goes, we have the inheritance of sons. And you can't get any higher up in the kingdom than to be a son of the king. I really like the Matthew West song, I'm a child of the one true king. As a matter of fact, as funny as it sounds, I actually had a little while, because when you have an iPhone, you can have your iPhone call you by whatever name you want. And so because I felt like I needed that reminder, I actually asked it to call me a child of the one true king. So every time I would ask my cell phone for help with something, it would call me child of the one true king. And it was a good reminder that that's indeed who I am. And regardless of what anybody else thinks of me, or if they think of me at all, I know that he's thinking of me. I have this little quote that I want to share with you, and perhaps it goes a little bit more with our second point, but I'm going to share it now. It says, God invites you to the greatest happiness that can come to a man in this world, and you say, excuse me. He invites you to a happy reunion with the loved ones whose faces have faded away into the gloom of the grave, and you say, excuse me. He invites you to a life of the noblest service any man can live, and you say, excuse me and yet he is born with you in patience and in love. Sometimes he will take you at your word and say you are excused and shut you out forever from his mercy and pardon. We live in a society of people who have been saying excuse me to God for too long. God says that children are an heritage of the Lord. The world says... You can kill them up until they're born. God says, I've given you marriage as a gift between a man and a woman so that you can walk this life together and so that you can sanctify each other. He's given it to you so that you can become more holy, not necessarily happy. I was just talking about this with my brother this morning. A lot of times we see these things on Facebook or whatever. Do whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy, don't worry about other people. But the Bible doesn't say that, does it? The Bible says, let each esteem other better than themselves. The Bible says, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. If we would just get this down, I think the, the divorce rate would plummet. Because we would realize that the purpose of marriage is not just to make us happy, it's to make us holy. And yes, happiness can be a result of holiness. I believe that. But it should be a result, not a goal. All right. So we move on to Luke 17, 13 and 14. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Notice a couple things. First of all, they called Jesus Master. So I think they had an idea of His authority before they reached out to Him. This was no small thing. I don't just walk up to everybody on the street and call them master. Why do we use titles? We use titles to show respect and reverence. So these lepers were already in somewhat of a good place because they said, we can't help ourselves. We need your mercy. Have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourself to the priest And as they went, they were cleansed. Can you imagine for a moment if they decided not to go anywhere? If they just decided, hey, shouldn't he do something a little more amazing than just tell us to go to the priest? I mean, what if we get to the priest and and we're still leprous? I believe if they had stayed in one place, they would still have been lepers kind of like the man who was born blind and Jesus made clay and put it on his eyes and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam? Maybe he would have been just a blind man with dirty eye sockets. I re- I heard John MacArthur say that perhaps the reason Jesus made clay and spittle in that particular case was because the man literally had no eyes. And that the man who created the world was making new eyeballs for him. What an exciting thought that would be. But imagine if he hadn't wiped the dirt off his eyes. He would have just been a blind guy with dirty eyes. See, there's only one way to come to Jesus. It's through his son. Or it's the only one way to come to God, through his son, Jesus Christ. And he's laid it out for us. He's told us what we should do. My second point is, when you realize your need, then he can work. You know, if someone asks me for help, and I don't think I need it, then I'm not going to get help, am I? And sometimes it takes me struggling for a while. This is just me talking about my physical limitations, sometimes it takes me struggling for a while to do something that might take you two or three minutes before I finally realize, you know, this would go better if I would ask for help. When I was a teenager, that's the last thing I wanted to do. But once I embraced the fact that asking for help was a good thing, not only has it helped me personally because I've been able to accomplish more, but I've been able to make great friends that I wouldn't have had I not been able to ask for help. And this has spiritual application for us because we can only get help from God if we know that we need it. Jesus said, i am come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I used to think, well, that means that that's because righteous people don't need to repent. Which makes sense in a way. But that wasn't the point of the story. The point is, as long as you think you're righteous... A Savior isn't gonna help you because you there's no way that He can save you if you don't realize you're drowning. So let's look quickly at a cross remnants in Matthew chapter fifteen. Matthew fifteen, twenty two to twenty eight. It's a longer passage, but I think but it was hard to cut it into pieces so I included the whole thing and I think it's worth our consideration Matthew 50 and 22 to 28
1: Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, give the dogs the eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole. That
0: very hour. All right. Well, and I think you can see why I wanted to read that whole passage. This woman was a Gentile. She had no claim on the promises that God gave Israel. And yet she knew that Jesus could help her out of her situation. And she said, even if you gave me a crumb of what you gave other people, that would still be enough. I ask you and I ask myself the same question. Are we so delighting in the Lord Jesus Christ that even the crumbs that we get are delightful to us? I'm so grateful for the crumbs. Without the crumbs, I would be headed to hell. Without the crumbs, we wouldn't have been able to celebrate with joy the Lord's Supper. Without the crumbs, my life would not be hid with Christ in God. But it is. Jesus promised me that it was. He promised me that No one can take me out of his hand. You see, even my car accident this week was within his control. I was never out of his hand. And I was never out of his sight. What a wonderful truth that is. These lepers were able to be healed because they knew they had a need and so there was room for Jesus to work but notice this as well that and it came to pass that as they went they were cleansed like I said can you imagine if they just stood there they wouldn't have been healed think of the great faith that it took for them to begin their journey as leprous men he didn't Even in this case, there are some cases where he said a word and the person was made clean. But it wasn't that he made them clean and then said, show yourself to the priests." They were dirty. They were lepers. Think of Naaman. I think when I was a kid, I might have thought that as he was dipping, he might have gotten progressively cleaner. You know, from his leprosy. But the more I think about it, the more I think that when he dipped that sixth time probably was just as much of a leper as he he was the first time, but when he went down that seventh time and came up, it's said that his skin was smooth like a baby. Perhaps even better skin than he'd ever had before. Why? Because the great physician doesn't just heal you part of the way, he goes all the way. And even though I haven't been physically healed on this earth, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be healed all the way. 100% I'm going to have a body like none other. Personally, I think it will probably be 6'4", but we'll have to wait and see. But the point is, none of the pain and aggravation of this life will matter. Because he'll be there. And everything will be made new. And with that woman, she asked him to heal her daughter. And he said, your faith has made her whole go your way. And she could have said, well, how do I know that she's healed? But she already knew that Jesus could heal. And so she had the faith to believe that that when she got home, that her daughter would be in her right mind. What a blessing! And I just want to address for a moment the idea that sometimes we think that we can do some of the work. Remember, I, I, I pointed out earlier this morning that we don't ask, we don't accept Jesus' sacrifice because He covers the ten percent we couldn't. We accept his sacrifice because he covers 100% of what we couldn't. We were without strength. It wasn't partial strength, it was without strength. It wasn't weak, it was dead. Common quote, I'm not sure who said it, but it's true, God did not come to make bad people good, but to make dead People alive. We are dead in trespasses and sins. He has made us alive in Jesus Christ. So consider this example. Suppose you have a friend named Jim who tells you, I am going to buy you a $50,000 automobile as a gift. And that could have easily been the truth in my case. These vans are not cheap. But he drives up in front of your house with that brand new automobile. Suppose you say to him, Jim, I can't let you do that. It's just too great a gift. Here's a quarter. Here is 25 cents. Let me help pay for this thing. And so Jim pays $49,999.75 and you pay a quarter. Now you are driving down the car, down now you are driving the car down the road and someone says, that is a nice car you have there. You say, yes, my friend Jim and I bought this car. That would be an insult to Jim, would it not? And that is true. We must remember that we cannot take any praise or credit for our salvation. It is all of God. And then... Moving on through our story to verses fifteen and sixteen, and when one of them turned back, he saw that he was, when one of them and one of them when he saw that he was healed turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks, and he was a Samaritan. You know, it's interesting to me that people say all the time, naive people, they say that Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. And he definitely made some verbal statements to that effect, so I know that he did. But even this was a claim to Jesus' deity. Because what happens when an angel of the Lord is is bowed down before in the Scriptures? What happens when Paul and Silas were bowed down before in the Scriptures? What happened in both those cases? They were told to get up. Paul said, I'm just a man. He tore his clothes because he said, you're bowing before the wrong person. You should be bowing before the living God and instead you're bowing before a man. And when angels, when when John bowed before an angel in Revelation, he said, get up. I'm not worthy to be bowed down before. Does Jesus do any of that here? No, because the one that this former leper was bowing before was the son of the living God. The one who was there when creation was spoken into existence. The one who said, Lazarus, come forth, because he had the power over life and death. And because he would once and for all, at a future time, place himself on a cross and be the bridge between us and hell. So he could get out of hell, be plucked, as the hymn writer says, as a brand from hell, and placed on a road to heaven. So he was worthy. And so bowing down was the complete and correct response. And it's noted that this man was a Samaritan, you know, because God would rather have a Gentile bow before him than a Jew stubbornly refuse. He he went to a, a Roman centurion's house of whom he said, I've never seen so great faith. Even in my chosen people Israel, I've never seen it. But when he sees it, he rewards it. Jesus answering He was answering um, point three Jesus is concerned not with external but the internal and so we, we see that the internal of the Samaritan was more important than the race that he had whereas most people of the day would have looked at him and said he's a Samaritan we want nothing to do I know I've been discriminated against, particularly in the job field, because of my outward appearance, because of my disability. But God does not discriminate. God saw me and he told me one day, he said, I have a plan for you that you have no idea how great it is. And he picked me up, and he lifted me, as the song says, and he made me his own. And he gave me a calling to bring as many to him as I possibly could. And to cause those who already follow him to walk with him closer. What a wonderful thing that is. Can we look at Psalm 30, 11, and 12? We're drawing to a close very quickly here, but I just want to hit this reference and then one final point: Psalm 30: 11 and 12. You have turned for me my morning and You have put out my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, to the end of my glory my skin, praise to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you. And so we see in here a very similar thing. No doubt these lepers were probably wearing something similar to sackcloth, because their clothes had to be burned. They couldn't wear their clothes anymore. And even if they could, they probably would be more comfortable with the minimal amount of clothes. And in a spiritual way, Jesus takes the rags that we were in and he puts on a robe of righteousness on us and he turns our mourning into dancing. I don't know how many of you know this about me, but I love to dance. It doesn't always look like dancing, but I I love it anyway. And I'm looking forward... um, To finding my lifetime dance partner so I can hone my skills. But that's another discussion for another time. But the point is that God does a miracle in our lives. And we can be grateful for that. And then our final point God deserves our thanks and praise. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God except this stranger. And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. You know what? God gives blessings to the just and to the unjust. And so I think of, when I listen to the show Unshackled, I think of all the times that God spares people from accidents or whatever, And they say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. If you just get me out of this jam, I'll serve you. And a lot of them, it takes a couple more jams and several more years before they finally surrender to Jesus Christ. My question to you is, are you prepared today to surrender to Jesus Christ? Maybe you're already a believer, but you're not surrendering to something that he wants in your life. Whatever the case, I, I hope... That today will be the day that you um, surrender. I'm going to close with a song, and I need to look it up here in the songbook. Um, I know it was across the page from Oh, That Will Be Glory. So I'm not sure what number it is. If somebody finds it. Okay, so I think it's 621 is the one I'm for, and um, if you guys uh, want to join me, you are more than welcome to do so. I really like this song, and I think that it is enhanced by the fact that uh, Fanny Crosby uh, wrote this song, and um, just her positive Attitude. I think we talked about this a little bit last time, or I've mentioned it in several messages because it's meant so much to me. Her positive attitude and all the things that went wrong in her life. I don't know if you know this, but not only was she blind from two, but God did uh, give her a husband and he gave them a baby. And that baby passed away shortly after birth. So, and you would think, well, God, why are you piling all this on? And I'm sure there were times when she doubted, times when she gave up, felt like giving up, but ultimately she knew that someday everything would be worth it. And that's what this song reminds us of. So number 621 in the Red Book.